The arbitration case between the Leafs and Ilya Samsov has come to an end. We'll discuss what it means for this upcoming season, plus the goaltending situation moving forward. And we'll also dive into Eric Carlson naming the Leafs as one of his trade destinations. That and more on today's edition on the Lockdown Leafs podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked on Leafs podcast, your daily fix for all things Leafs. I'm your host, David Morstuti from Sportsnet. As always, Locked on Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast. Make sure you subscribe for free wherever you get your podcast from. And you can catch us up on YouTube, Locked on Leafs, your team every day. Just a reminder that during the summer and the offseason, we are down to three shows a week. So usually try to keep it about Monday, Wednesday, Friday, is, uh, unless news happens and we change the schedule a little bit. But generally, that's the way we try to go during the off season. So make sure you continue to come. We're going to continue to provide content as much as possible during the off season. So make sure you continue to check us out here on Locked On Leafs. I really do appreciate it. All right. So the big news, obviously, Elias Samsonov, that whole situation with his contract is now spoken for. We do not have to worry about what Samsonov's number is going to be going to next season. He was awarded a one-year, $3.55 million deal from the arbitrator um, after he elect, after him and the Leafs decided to go through with the arbitration process, which certainly uh, caught some people by surprise. Obviously, we're going to discuss what that means for the Leafs' goaltending situation going into this season, plus what it means actually past the season too, because there's still a lot of things now up in the air with Samsonov going towards unrestricted free agency following the one-year deal and what the Leafs kind of go from here. What, what does that mean for the team's future at the goaltending position? Cause it does create a new wrinkle there with the one-year deal, obviously. And Eric Carlson uh, named the Leafs as one of the teams that he had discussed a trade to, I'm going to kind of just uh, touch on that later on in the show and kind of what that meant, you know, how much we take from it. Uh, is this an old report? I mean, it's a new report, but is it something that he just threw out there to kind of help his own case? We'll discuss that uh, near the end of the show here. But let's talk about Samsonov here because obviously the news came down Sunday afternoon that um, the arbitrator made his decision, gave Samsonov a one-year $3.55 million deal. Um, now, I know there was initially confusion, partially. I I was not as aware about how the, the term for the deal was given up because usually when a player elects for arbitration, the team can either say a one- or two-year deal if, the, if they didn't elect for arbitration. But in this case, because of Samsonov's age, Okay, that that meant that he was only eligible for a one-year deal. Okay, so for those who are wondering why the Leafs only got a one-year deal out of it, um, and he was also going to be a pending UFA in 2024. Okay, so when your RFA rights are expiring, you don't get to have the two-year term because a team can't, you know, can't say, "Well, we have 
Because in certain cases, yes, the team could say that we're going to have a two-year term, two-year term in the in the deal because we still hold the players' RFA rights. In the Leafs' case, they only had his RFA rights for one year. That was this year, so that walks him to free agency. So obviously, it's a win for the Leafs. Like the one-year three point five five million dollar deal from a salary cap standpoint, it's a win for the Leafs because. They, yes, they wanted obviously less. Two point four million dollars was the, you know, what they were asking for. We knew that wasn't going to be awarded. Two point four million dollars, and I think even the Leafs knew two point four million dollars was not going to be awarded because Samsonov established himself as a starting goaltender last year. Now, was he established like the top echelon goaltenders? No, he only he didn't play fifty plus games last year. But he did play well enough to establish himself as a starter with the Leafs last season. And for Samsonov, he obviously wanted $4.9 million. And obviously, there was some a little concern that maybe the arbitrator was going to get a little bit closer to Samsonov's number just because, again, he put up numbers like a starting goaltender last year. So there was that concern, but pretty much almost right in the middle is where the arbitrator decided to settle with Samsonov. And yes, I, I get that. And and there was a kind of a, the talk in the discord after the deal was done is that, well, now that they took him to arbitration, it's a one-year deal and it's setting him up for uh, going into, uh, uh, into free agency. This likely means that Samsonov's future with the team is under, you know, we're, we're not too sure if he's going to be around going forward, right? So that's something we're going to discuss on the other side, just kind of looking at the future of the Leafs goaltending because it, it's a very interesting situation. It's the one position that always feels like in flux for this Leafs team. It's the one that we're always kind of wondering what is going on. But let's just first talk about Samsonov specifically. And, you know... I think what you look at here with Samsonov, it was a career year for him, right? I think for, for the Leafs, you know, there was talk that they wanted to get him signed to a, a multi-year deal, but only at a certain, you know, cap hit, right? They weren't going to go above and beyond, you know, probably what he was looking for. And that's probably why he was he wanted that $4.9 million because the Leafs had talks about a multi-year deal according to Elliot Friedman. And when you try to get that multi-year deal down, Samsonov saying, well, I'm not going to play as your starting goaltender at too much of a bargain, which he's allowed to do. When you look at some of the deals that were signed, you know, this past offseason, like, you know, let's say, let's look at the Senator signing Jonas Carposalo, who, you know, he's been, he's in, in a 1A, 1B situation. He took over as the LA Kings starting goaltender at, uh, after the trade, after he was traded from the Blue Jackets there. He's obviously going into that Senators situation likely as the number one guy. I mean, a five-year, $4 million a year contract would kind of suggest that. So I'm sure Samsonov saw the Giannis Corposalo deal and said, you know, I'm not that far off from that. And I actually, I like that that contract because I, I do think for the Senators, yeah, Corposalo isn't going to play. Yeah, he could probably get to that. I mean, the thing is, he's never played 50 games in his career, Corpus L, so to pay him as if he's going to play 50 games, that's a tough one to ask. They also still have Anton Forsberg um, 
over in Ottawa. So that's the other thing you have to consider uh, with that deal for Corpusel. Uh, I believe Forsberg, uh, I'm just going to look quickly at that deal. I believe that one is at 2.95 million. So he has a 2.75 million dollar cap it. His salary is 2.95 going into this year. So um, yeah, you try to keep your goaltending into that you know, you don't want to, I, I personally, unless you have that elite standout, Vasilevsky, Sorokin, Shesterkin, um, Hellebuck, although Hellebuck's going to be paid less, but we know he's going to be seeing a pay bump too. Like, if you get those type of goaltenders, the other best option is to do a tandem or get two really good goaltenders, and you try to keep that at a reasonable, I see you don't go over $7 million, um, and obviously for the Leafs case, like their, um, their goaltending is going to be pretty affordable right for now, <laughs> for now, because here's the thing. It's obviously for one year, but we also have to count for also Matt Murray is still here, but with Samsung making 3.55, Joseph wool is going to be making 766,000 for the next two seasons. By the way, he's still an RFA discuss a little bit more of that on the other side but um the Leafs are getting their goaltending for a, a very reasonable price as long as we know what's going to happen with Matt Murray so there's there was always pedigree for Samsonov right we have to remember this guy was a first round pick when he in 2015 he's only 26 so it's not like we're we should be worried about you know whether he can handle the workload of playing more games he's still i think he still has a little more to give and even if he does the same thing as he did last year right i i think the Leafs would be would take that i think the Leafs would definitely take that now would we want something a little bit better of course you always want to see a guy improve i think there's room for improvement um for samsonov you know he was good at times in the in the tampa series it was kind of like an up and down like when he wasn't good it wasn't good when he was good. Like he needed to be good because there were games where the Leafs just could not score a lot of goals. And obviously we know what happened in the Florida series. He got injured. Um, Bobrovsky played out of his mind. I don't know if you're going to really uh, be able to go toe to toe with what Bobrovsky did in that series. But all in all, like I felt like, you know, Samsonov was the least of the Leafs concerns last year. And I think some of the, uh, I think some of the things you need to be reminded here is that, and it was put up, brought up in the athletic article by Jonas Siegel, which uh, if you haven't read, go ahead and read that is that, you know, only three goalies who played 40 plus games face fewer shots than Samsonov, Martin Jones in Seattle, uh, Jacob Markstrom in Calgary and Vita Vanacek. Okay. So like, the Leafs do their best to make sure that Samsonov doesn't have this huge workload. Okay. So that's something to be considered as well. You know, he's not being overtasked here in Toronto. Um, and they're going to have to hopefully hope that he can carry the mantle going into next season. And it'll be interesting to see how the rest of it shakes up because we know that Brad living had some thoughts on, you know, how the tandem was going to set up when it looked at, you know, Matt Murray and his, kind of discussed it was not more so not what he said about matt murray but about joseph wool 
So I want to discuss that, what it means for the Leafs goaltending situation, not only going into this season, but in the future, because I think that's the biggest question right now for this Leafs team. So we'll discuss that on the other side. This is the Locked On Leafs podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of the Locked On Leafs podcast is brought to you by AG1 by Athletic Greens. Keeping up with your nutrition is really hard. You're busy, you're stuck at your desk, you're eating whatever you can at work you just so you can get through your day. But what if you could start your day with the ultimate daily nutritional insurance? With a single scoop of AG1 and a glass of water, you can do just that and absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. Why go and try to get through an expensive supplement routine that just isn't sustainable for yourself? The, the creator of AG1 was experiencing some very tough gut health issues and was looking for an alternate nutrition routine and didn't want to have an expensive one. And this one is a great one for you because it's all you can have it for just around $3 a day. I do it every morning to help start my day right. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drink ag1.com slash NHL network. That's drink ag1.com slash NHL network. Check it out today. Welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. David Morsuti here. Mike DeStefano obviously still on vacation in the motherland of Italy. Uh, I did notice he was in Rome the other day. So uh, I know he's got. A f- he was doing a few cruises. He's been uh, Venice. He's been everywhere in Italy. So uh, obviously, Mike is enjoying himself there, and he should be back soon, hopefully. Um, so we're gonna keep you guys going here until Mike gets back. Um, now, on the la- in the Ilya Samsonov discussion, I kind of brought up the goaltending situation in general for the Leafs, and it's an interesting situation because we know the Leafs have. Joseph Wall kind of in the wings here, right? He showed promise. The best way to describe it is that, you know, Joseph Wall, funny enough, he's only a year younger than Ilya Samsonov. Obviously, the one thing that he doesn't have is the experience, right? He's been dealing with injury issues, you know, COVID pandemic impacting his development in a way. And so the last two seasons, He's only had a combined 11 games in the NHL. Last, you know, in 2021-2022, he only played 15 games with the Marlies. Last year was 21 games, obviously starting later because of the injury, but it was a really good season for the Marlies, and obviously he put up, I thought, good numbers in the NHL. And we know that Brad Living kind of came out and wasn't ready to kind of anoint uh, Joseph Wall as the backup, which I thought to be quite interesting because I don't know if this was him trying, because this, again, this is when we were talking about the Matt Murray situation, what they were going to do with him. And I think he wanted to make sure that he pumped the brakes a little bit on Joseph Wall for a couple of reasons. One, the experience part. We're talking about a guy, again, who's only played 11 games in the NHL. So I don't think he wanted to put you know, Joseph Wall in the situation to say, yeah, he is our backup for sure because goaltending goaltenders can have their ups and downs when they, especially ones that don't have that much experience. But here's the thing. We know Matt Murray's not going to be here. 
right? The Leafs just cannot afford to have a $4.6 million backup goaltender, even just a goaltender who is not reliable. That, that ship has sailed. The Leafs didn't even want him starting in the playoffs. Remember, the reason why the Leafs got him was his playoff pedigree when he won two Stanley Cups. He said he was healthy in the playoffs, and yet the Leafs turned to Joseph Wold because they went with the better goaltender, the more reliable goaltender. So to me, it's like the Leafs wouldn't be... The, the best situation here is for the Leafs to find a way to move off of, Samson, uh, of Murray. I was about to say Samson out there. Because we know that his contract is just... It, it doesn't serve the Leafs any good. Trading him, we've discussed that. It's typical for a couple of reasons because he has a modified no-trade clause, so he can say, no, I don't want to go there. But here's the thing for the Leafs. You can tell Matt Murray, you don't want to have, fine, you don't want to get traded there. We're just going to buy you out, and you're not going to have, like, I don't know how many teams will be coming and knocking on Matt Murray's door next year either, right? So if you tell Matt Murray that maybe he, he doesn't uh, put that team on his 10-team no-trade clause. But that's something to be uh, to look out for. You know, the next cut, I mean, here's the thing. The buyout window opened as soon as the Samsonov arbitration arbitration case was, was finalized. So as I'm recording this, we could see some movement with Matt Murray, whether it's a trade or a buyout. Like, I, I, it feels like those are the likely outcomes. But the only other way I could say that it won't be is if the Leafs find a way to put him out on LTIR. And that that has been brought up a few times. But when Matt Murray ended that season and said, I was healthy and available. Now, how healthy he was, we don't know. I don't know how, I don't know. That's going to be a tough thing for the Leafs to, to do if they're going to try to put him on LTIR. And we know that... They'll be subject to ridicule if they try to do that because it's the Leafs and teams are going to go after that, right? Is this is not like with when Vegas didn't have Robin Leonard available because Robin Leonard was not available, both because he had the his I believe it was the hip injury, and also there was some uh, you know there's some mental health issues with Robin Leonard too. He needed to kind of take a break. And we, I think, I don't, I mean, we already know that don't expect really Robin Leonard to be involved with Vegas going forward after they made the uh, the deal for Aiden Hill to make him their goaltender going forward. It'll be him and Logan Thompson. So when you're looking at what the Leafs situation in goal, I mean, we just discussed the season. I do think a Samsonov-Wool tandem would be enough, in my opinion. You're betting on upside. Yes, both are young goaltenders, but Samsonov has proven that he can handle a fair chunk. I even think he could handle 50 games. I think that should be fair. Now, can Joseph Wool handle the rest of the of the workload? I think so. You know, he did play over 30 games last year, if you look at between the Marlies and the Leafs. The other option is you can go and... Uh, do a PTO and you can go and get a veteran goaltender that, you know, can maybe play those 20 games, 20 to 30 games. You could also do that. Um, I just don't think the Leafs would be, it would be a wise thing to just go and sign, you know, a goaltender to a, a deal that you're going to ultimately regret. I think if you get one where you sign, I, I know we talked about like Brian Elliott was a goaltender that had, 
looked uh, as an option for this Leafs team. That's because obviously they need a veteran. It would be nice to have a veteran. I will say, you know, if, if you have that third guy you can rely on, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, but I do think that you got to be careful here because there's not many great options out there. So I think the best option here would be you can bring in a PTO, a guy on a PTO. And if he does well, you can sign him. And if he beats out wall, you have, you have to hold three goaltenders. I, I don't see that being a possibility. I personally, just because I think Joseph wall has upside. I think he, he has, if you ever look, uh, if you ever read about Joseph Wall, this is someone who I think takes the right approach mentally to the game. That's been something he's worked on a lot, and it's really good for a young goaltender to already have that established. And personally, I think Joseph Wall has a strong future here as the Leafs starting goal, as the Leafs goaltender going forward. You know, say what you want about Kyle Dubas. I felt like one of the shrewd moves he made was signing Joseph Wall to that contract. Um, and I like there was so much upside. It was a three year deal at $2.3 million. So basically, un, you know, $766,000 per year. Even if he was your at worst, your backup, you don't get backups for that anymore in the NHL. Like that was a good bet on yourself move for Joseph Wool to, you know, lock his future down with the Leafs. And the best thing about the Leafs here for the Leafs here is. They have him going forward for the next two seasons. They know what his number is. And he's still an RFA at the end of his deal. He does have a arbitration, right? So it could be a situation like this again. Although I feel like if he performs to the potential that we've seen from him, this is someone you can look at as your future in net. I do think that is something that the, that, that is going to be possible for this Leafs team. And we know the Leafs have so many goaltenders in the system they have four goaltenders signed to elcs um they have obviously dennis hildeby the goaltender that they drafted uh last year keith petruzzelli he's on the uh he's in the last year of his elc also an rfa um they have pexa who they drafted not too long ago and archer akinyama atinyam atiyamov i think i said that one properly so they have four Young gold like Petruzzelli is the oldest one in this case at uh, 24. The Marlies are going to have obviously two of those, and the other ones you're probably sent to the Growlers. Like the Leafs have a lot of young goaltenders in the system. I think we need to figure out what they do have with these guys going forward. I think Joseph Wall, I mean, obviously has the most proven ability out of all those guys because we've just seen him more of him, but. I'm very curious about this Leafs goaltending situation. I think everyone's saying, you know, they got to go out maybe and trade for someone, go out and maybe sign someone. If you go and look at, obviously, Samsonov is in line. He's setting himself up perfectly here, obviously, because if you look at the goaltending market um, in the year that he's going to be a free agent, it's pretty bare. Like, it's probably the best time to be a UFA goaltender. And we've seen UFA goaltenders get paid. Jack Campbell got himself a five-year, $5 million deal, right? Like, the least we're not going to be paying that. And I, I thought at the time that, yeah, sad to see Jack Campbell go, go but he wasn't worth that deal. 
Um, so the goaltenders are going to be UFAs, UFAs at the end of. I gotta make sure I'm looking at cap friend, and I gotta make sure that I put down as UFAs because there's a couple of RFAs sticking out there. Okay, Matt Murray, ship has sailed. I don't even know how many teams are going to be giving that guy a multi-year deal. Uh, what his deal's done, Connor Hellebuck. Okay, so we know that he's going to be going into the final year of his deal. He's the number one guy. If, let's say, Winnipeg holds on to him and he decides, I'm just going to play my deal out. If he gets traded somewhere, they're going to try to sign him to a long-term deal. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens with Hellebuck there. He's probably the only goaltender. If you're saying who who should the least potentially look at, I would go after Connor Hellebuck. Absolutely. He's proven to be the among those elite goaltenders in the league. And I, I, I would I would do what I can get a Connor Hellebuck because he's just so proven. He's such a good goaltender, but he's gonna be expensive. He's he has a cap of six million dollars in going to the season. It's probably not gonna be six million dollars in his next deal. I know he's turning 32, I believe, at the end of his deal, but he can land himself a deal if he if he proves that he can handle the workload that he's had. You got to be careful with the with the age, obviously. Samsonov, Chris Dreger, we know you haven't seen him play. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury, I don't know how much longer Mark Andre Fleury is going to be playing, and he's probably not the guy going forward for Minnesota because they have Gustus in there. Uh, Pavel Francouz, Francouz, I don't like. You know, he's he's proven to be an, a good backup, good one B option. Uh, Kevin Lankinen, again, not really someone I'm looking at here. Casey DeSmith, somebody who's done that 1A, 1B tandem. I could see him potentially getting a somewhat sizable deal. Not a whole lot, but, you know, we've seen those, like, tweener goaltenders, like a Billy Huso or someone that's going to get, like, that 2 to $3 million deal. Eric Comrie, again, same thing. I don't see him getting a huge one. Ron Boisois is more of a backup at this point of his career. Like there's just so many goaltenders here that are just like if like iffy. There's too many iffy guys out there. There's not really like this is a perfect situation for Samsonov if as a free agent. So I think the Leafs. I, a lot of people are, are you know seeing the situation as you know he's gone after this year. We'll see. The Leafs might decide. Let's try to keep him and Samsonov uh, him Samsonov and Wall together. It's a total possibility there. I just don't know. It's going to be an expense, an expensive one. When you look at, if he does the same thing again, he's going to get another pay increase, especially at a multi-year deal. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But that's something to keep in, in mind there. And I think the Leafs have to be thinking about this. You know, obviously, maybe if they're they can work out a deal in the season, we'll see. But Samsonov definitely has that leverage of I can go and get a better deal in free agency, he could go ahead and do that. All right. So, and I mean, there's always a trade for a goaltender too. We've seen that as well. The Leafs have found ways to find goaltenders. So well, something to keep in mind there. You don't need to put your eggs all in one basket. That's probably the best way to describe the situation. All right. On the other side, we are going to finish the podcast talking about Eric Carlson. Yes, the Eric Carlson stuff just doesn't want to go away. Um, is it something that should go away? Should we be talking about this more? We'll discuss that on the other side. This is the Locked On These Podcasts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Welcome back to the Locked On Leafs podcast. David Morissuti here. And I want to thank everybody who's been listening to the podcast as an everyday, you know, this makes this your everyday. I know a lot of people have messaged me saying I'm listening to every day. Really do appreciate it. And I do appreciate that. I appreciate that you guys are enjoying the content and we want to continue this. I know there's not a lot of Leafs content out there right now. There's just not a lot of Leafs news out there right now. And I think it's going to change. I do think we're going to start seeing booze happening now that the sand like i'm constantly looking at my phone um even when i'm recording because i feel like something could happen as i'm recording during a show uh so i do um if you ever see that i look distracted that's why i'm making sure that i'm not missing something as i'm recording because it has happened before where i recorded and something has happened i've gone back to re-record it's it gets tough i want to make sure that i'm giving you guys the most up-to-date information as possible I try to get these up as quick as possible, too, so I don't miss, you know, something doesn't get outdated. Now, we know the Eric Carlson situation, as I said on the last slide, that the Leafs were initially a team that Pierre Lebrun said had indicated an interest in Eric Carlson. And Eric Carlson actually confirmed in the Swedish publication, it's a very popular one in Sweden, Expressen, um, I'm sure there's a Swedish way to pronounce that, so I do apologize if that's not the way to pronounce it. But he said that he has spoken to several NHL teams about a trade. We know that there were two that were deemed the finalists, the Penguins and the Hurricanes. It seems like the Penguins are the ones really pushing this. And then he brought up the Seattle Kraken and the, and the Leafs as the other teams that he has spoken to about a trade. I said the Kraken were a team that would have made sense for Carlson, uh, potentially because they have the cap space and you know he would be a great addition. They just signed Vince Dunn to that four-year, just over $7 million deal, so I don't know how if that it would impact anything at all. I mean, Vince Dunn was um, did take a big step over there in Seattle, but I think adding Carlson would just make that team that much more dynamic. Um, but it just seems like the Penguins and the Hurricanes the Penguins especially want to get this deal done. When it comes to the Leafs, we we the, Mike and I had discussed Carlson before. Here's the thing. Yes, he won the Norris Trophy. We know what he has done offensively. But the Leafs just added John Klingberg to address the issues that this team has had producing offense from the blue line. So the fit just doesn't make sense. Clearly doesn't make sense because... You've got Morgan Riley. Unless you're moving off from Morgan Riley, which he has a no movement clause, right? So I don't know how the Leafs would even look to move Morgan Riley, right? He has that long-term deal. He signed at $7.5 million um, until the end of the 2030 season. So the next seven years, Morgan Riley is locked down here. So I don't know. Uh, I don't see Morgan Riley as a guy going. Um, they have John Klingberg here. So, like, to go out and add another offensive defenseman, I don't see the fit, personally. Um, and on top of that, the other thing you have to consider here is the price. The Leafs would need, if they were even to consider this trade, they would, San Jose would have to take back as much as they can in the deal. The Leafs just can't afford to have a player making what Eric Carlson's making 11.5 not happening even the team that's acquiring him they're not getting him at the full cap it now we know the San Jose Sharks do not want to take back um 
a lot of salary, right? They've now they only have one trade, one retained salary under their books, and that's obviously the Brent Burns. They took back two point seven million dollars of that deal. Like his deal was uh, an eight million dollar cap hit, and they took back a couple million to help the Hurricanes facilitate that trade. With Carlson, I think somebody said they may go up to 40%. That's a lot of money over the next four seasons. You have to remember, Carlson signed for four more years at that number. He had, a obviously, a really good offensive season. I just don't think the fit makes sense because he's not a guy that I can really trust defensively. Yes, he is going to be that offensive stud, but the Leafs need more than that, in my opinion. The Leafs are going to need... like If I'm going out and getting a defenseman and I'm paying that price, I want somebody that's going to do more of the, the two... like has, has got his defensive game is sound. Yeah, he has offensive upside. I do want that. But I, I, I want a guy that's going to elevate this blue line defensively and be a harder defensive play against right eric carlson really doesn't do that for me yes he's got the offensive instincts he can move the puck and things like that i just don't think the fits there so eric carlson dream i'm sorry for those who might be considering it i think the leafs should stay clear and i don't expect the leafs to go after that so we'll see how that uh i do expect other moves though i don't think the leafs are done I think they were waiting for the Samsonov deal to come so they can move off of Matt Murray. We, I think like it just seems way too obvious here. And then I think now they'll, then they'll have a better idea of what their cap is looking like for next year. And then they could go out and make other trades and other moves. I do think there's other moves coming, what they're going to be and when they're going to be. I'm not too sure yet. I don't even think a lot of the insiders know right now. So they're going to keep us on our toes for the next little bit, but it's, We'll be here on the Locked On These podcast, breaking it all down if and when it does happen. So I want to thank you all for listening and subscribing to the show. Make sure you tell all your friends to go and subscribe to the Locked On These podcast wherever you get their podcasts from. Make sure they also are subscribed to our YouTube page and they get that notification every single time an episode is posted. I want to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.